Hello everyone and welcome to the MoPod, brought to you by MoDate, where we discuss everything Mo, from modern orthodoxy to my opinions and more. I'm your host Evan Harris and we have a great guest for you today. Let's get to it. Today we're sitting down with Derek Fine. How are you, Derek? Doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So just a question we're going to ask to everyone involved in this bundle. Can you spell entrepreneur? Uh, without embarrassing myself? Yes. E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. Yes, correct. Very good job. Anyway, let's just dive into your background a little bit and inform the listeners of where you're from, what what are you doing now, and everything like that. Sure. So I grew up in the five towns. I went to Ramos for high school, Cornell for undergrad. I spent a few years working in television and media and entertainment, worked at Good Morning America, worked at CNN. And then I went back to school and got my MBA from NYU Stern. So three or so years ago, a little more than three years ago, graduated from NYU. I went into management consulting, but always kept my eye on potentially purchasing a small business. So I worked at Capgemini Invent, then I worked at Altman Solon. And during that time, I kept looking at potential small businesses I could buy. I looked mostly in the recreation space. So I looked at gyms, camps, things like that. And a little over a year ago, a gymnastics studio came onto my radar and I decided to look into it. I visited, the financials made sense. And long story short, I purchased Blaze Gymnastics uh, a little less than a year ago in December, 2021. It's a gymnastics facility with over a thousand students, 75 staff. It's in Syracuse, New York. And I have been running that ever since. So that's been what I've been doing the last year. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So you just answered like 10 of my questions at once, but it's it's good. So you, when you finished college, you entered the corporate world, like you said, well, you worked in entertainment, but still pretty corporate. So just wondering what your roles were like there. And also, did you enjoy being part of the corporate world? Yeah, so it was interesting. When I graduated from undergrad, I had a business undergraduate degree, but I wanted to go into entertainment at the time. And you couldn't really get directly into the business side of entertainment. You got to get your foot in the door kind of on the creative side with what I found was easier. So for the first few years out of undergrad, I actually worked in creative quote unquote roles. I worked in editorial roles at Good Morning America. I produced content for them. Um, I did the same thing at CNN. I worked in their control room. And uh, that's really what I did the first few years out of college. But there was a corporate environment um, working for companies that had tens of thousands of employees. ABC is owned by Disney, CNN by Turner Broadcasting, and there's been a few acquisitions there. It's now AT&T. So that was my time in the corporate world. I went back for my MBA and then once again entered corporate world by going to consulting, but this time I was on the business side and really using both my business undergrad and graduate degrees um, in those roles. Gotcha. So besides for the consulting part of it, everything you kind of did was a little bit out of the box. And that's actually like why we're having you on to discuss this out of the box thing of being a young adult in the Jewish world who owns a small business, but just also working in entertainment is pretty out of the box. And so were you the only Orthodox Jew on your team at your company at the time? I mean, obviously probably not your company, but, but like on your team that you work directly with, yeah, that was definitely a rarity. They had not encountered that before. So for example, at Good Morning America, one of the things they do is newer producers, they train you on their weekend show um, to prepare you to do the weekday show. So mm -hmm. 
obviously I couldn't do the weekend show. So after they hired me, I went to the person and said, I can't work Friday sundown to Saturday at sundown. And he had a little bit of a shocked response. Like he didn't really know how to handle that at first um, because he's never had that before. He uses the weekend show to train people. So we came up with a deal where I would literally give him the Shabbos schedule every single week. I would tell him Friday night I could work all the way up until this and Saturday night I could start working after this time. And he would literally make the schedule around Shabbos because it's a 24-7 operation. There are people that work midnight to 8 a.m., 2 a.m., etc., 10 a.m., 6 p.m. There are shifts all over the place. Um, so ultimately, they worked around that. Um, it was a little scary at first going up and telling somebody, hey, I know you train people usually this way, but you can't train me that way. But ultimately, it was something I did. And everybody respected it. Ultimately, um, ABC, CNN, everybody I worked for did respect um, religion and never really gave me a hard time, thankfully. All right. Yeah, that's great. And just to put a bow kind of on that stage of your life, what would you say were the the best parts of working for a major big company? And what were the worst parts? I think the best parts were probably the benefits of being at such a big company. So for example, at ABC, I'm a big Disney person and at ABC, you get free access to Disney World. So I literally went with my family to Disney World. We got free tickets. I was able to get free fast passes for all the rides. Um, it was like the most incredible trip to Disney ever. Um, so things like that, they were just random perks of being at a big company um, that were really cool. And then I guess the downside is um, these are very big organizations. And um, I think sometimes... I'm trying to put it into words. Leadership doesn't actually see what's happening at the lowest levels because they're mm -hmm. separated by so many levels of people. So if you're working at a small company and there's only 50 to 100 people there, leadership's pretty involved with what's going on. But if you're working at a company that has 200,000 employees, I don't think leadership really knows what's going on at the lower levels as much as they might think they do. Gotcha. Definitely makes sense. And good points on both sides. So you mentioned that you now own a gymnastic center a gym yes and so you were in consult so what came first again were you first a consultant or first got an mba first got my mba and then i went into consulting gotcha so from your mba and your consulting experience is that what kind of inspired you to want to buy a business so one of the things that inspired me was back in my college days, I actually worked for Julian Krinsky camps and programs on their mm -hmm. Yeshabat program. I was heavily involved with running it and I loved the entire environment. Like I loved being really hands-on, really understanding the business from that perspective, working on a small team. They only had 10 to 20 full-time employees. So I really knew everybody at the company from leadership all the way down to the secretaries. Um, I loved that I was able to see the impact I was having. Um, because when you're at that small of a company, you really see everything that's going on and the repercussions of everything you do. Um, when you're at a bigger company, like you're in consulting and you're told to work on this analysis and do these projections and make this presentation, you're not always seeing the direct impact of what you're doing. And you're also just constantly going to be working with different people. You're never going to get to know everybody. So looking back at my college days when I was working in camp, I loved what I was doing. It was the happiest I ever was at work. And so that was one of the things that inspired me to like, hey, maybe I should look at small businesses and see if that's something I want to get back into. Gotcha. How do you actually go about buying a small business? How do you that's find That's a great them? question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, one way in the way that I found it was people actually list their businesses for sale on websites, just like you find houses for sale through like Zillow. There are business mm -hmm. broker websites where people literally go and through a broker or just themselves will list a business for sale. 
And these businesses could be anywhere from they cost $10,000 and barely make any money all the way to they cost 10 to $20 million and have huge cash flows coming in. And you can go to these websites, you can sort by the industry, you can sort by the asking price. Uh, you click into the listings and they'll give you a little bit of background on the business. They give you a little bit about the cash flows and you reach out to the brokers for more information. And from there, if you do proceed even further than that step, usually you sign an NDA saying you're not going to disclose anything. They'll send you the financials. They'll send you more detailed information and you take it from there and explore. But it's very similar actually to a house. People list houses online. People list businesses online. Gotcha. And why specifically did you look into gymnastics? So I was specifically looking at recreation, especially youth recreation. Like I said, I was looking back at my camp days. I really loved what I was doing. I related to that. And so I looked at a gym that was for sale. I looked at a summer camp that was for sale. I looked at a bunch of businesses in the same area that were for sale. I did see this gymnastics posting. It didn't stick out to me like, wow, I have to own this. But it seemed interesting. So I reached out to the broker, had a conversation with him, and it just kept progressing to the next step and went from there. Okay, very cool. And so just to speak about the larger topic here, obviously, this is the Mopod. And just to tie it into modern orthodoxy, you don't see a lot of people that are graduating college and within the first 10 years of their career, let's say, going off and really doing something where they don't have their own boss, they they are their own boss, they whether it's buying a business or starting your own business. And so were you scared at all? Did you have any mentors? Was there anything that led you to believe that this was a good idea before actually trying it? I think my experience over the years at the various jobs, going all the way back to Krinsky, all the way through ABC and CNN, over those times, I've led teams, I've led projects, I've definitely served in leadership capacities before. Anytime I had the opportunity, I would always step up into the opportunity to take on leadership responsibility. I was also very into reading leadership books and going to lectures. And like Bob Iger comes to town and is speaking at the Y, I'll run over to the Y and go hear him. Um, Bob Iger, former CEO of Disney, for example. So I was always into leadership. I always studied it. I always tried to practice it when I could. And so when the opportunity finally arose to buy my own business and step into that role, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I knew it would be challenging and it's definitely challenging to take on that role. But um, I felt prepared. And I think it's one of those things also sink or swim. You got to dive in and just try to do it. And once you're doing it, you're doing it. Gotcha. So would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? The word that you spelled so beautifully about 10 minutes ago. I think I would. I think being an entrepreneur involves running and growing your own business. And Maybe people also add it include starting your own business, um, but I don't know necessarily if it has to include starting. I think if you're running and growing a business, um, I think that would qualify you as an entrepreneur, in my opinion. Okay, so obviously this is very new, you owning this business and running it, but I'm wondering, what is your five-year plan, 10-year plan? Is this kind of, do you plan on buying more businesses, starting your own business? What's the plan? I think there are a few avenues I can go. Number one, it's taking the current business I have and really trying to get it to the next level, which is either expanding to a bigger location or expanding to multiple locations, something along those lines. The other option would be to just buy additional businesses. I think if I were to buy additional businesses, I'd want to stay in this space at this point, because even after just one year in this space, I've learned so much about gymnastics and recreational sports and coaching and how that works. 
And I'd love to just take those skills and apply it to other businesses rather than dive into a completely new unrelated business and have to start from the ground up and learning how that works. Mm -hmm. Do you have any partners right now? I do not have any partners. I fully bought this on my own. I did take out a loan. Um, so I didn't pay the full price of the business, but I took out a loan, you put 20% down and you pay off the loan over the next 10 years. Is that lonely at all? I wouldn't say it's lonely because I have a managing director in place. I have a managing team in place. So the gym has a managing director under her. There's a director of operations and a director of coaching. And so we have a leadership team. I'm talking to them daily. I meet with them all the time. I feel like I'm working very collaboratively with them. So I have a good working relationship with them. I also still have advisors in my life. I have people that I feel comfortable going to if I have questions on certain topics I'm not as familiar with or I'm not as experienced in. So I wouldn't say I feel lonely. I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of people I'm working with on this. Gotcha. So let's talk practical advice. Let's say someone who just got out of college has had internships, hated them all, and doesn't want to just work in corporate America. Would you advise that they try something like this or is that too soon? What do you think is the right time? And what do you think is the right type of person to do this? That's a great question. I personally, I guess I'm biased. I love my timing. I'd say a little around 10 years after undergrad, I've had experience in multiple different jobs, multiple, multiple different companies. And I don't think I'd be as effective owning a business if I didn't have all those experiences. But I do think you don't necessarily have to wait 10 years. I think you definitely need some experience in corporate America. I don't think an internship is enough. I think you need to experience what a full-time job is like, what it's like to work under other leaders um, and to work under multiple leaders. I don't think one job would necessarily cut it. But I think once you have one to two jobs in the corporate world and you're really seeing that corporate America is not for you, that you want to be your own boss, that you want that flexibility and that you're willing to take on that risk, because not everybody is willing to take on that risk and has that appetite for risk. Um, I think it's definitely something worth considering. There are smaller businesses for sale that could be a side hustle, quote unquote. So you don't have to dive in and buy a major business that becomes your lifelong everything. Um, I do think you could buy something small, do it on the side, see if you enjoy it, learn how it works. And then if you really like it, you can either buy more, you could look bigger, or you could see what the situation is at that point. So I think you can dip your toes in without fully going in and saying I'm ditching corporate America. I think there's a balance between the two. Okay. Very thoughtful answer. And also I try to only ask great questions, but I appreciate the kind of words regardless. So I'm wondering what is it like being your own boss? Is it, are there challenges that have come up that you didn't expect? Is it better than you expected, worse than you expected, exactly what you expected? I love being my own boss. I think it's great that I can work when I want to work and I don't have to worry about being online by a computer for somebody else or anything like that. Um, on the other end, I'm constantly working. Like It's a business that's open seven days a week. Um, you're constantly on call. You're constantly thinking about the business. Um, there's never really fully taking time off. Like You can prepare to have days where you're not going to work as hard as other days, but every single day, that I'm online, I'm checking in on the business and I'm looking at the business. So the pro is that you have all this flexibility and you get to be your own boss and you're not answering to anybody else other than your customers. Um, but the con is definitely that it's always there. You can never step away. Like one of the beautiful things when I was at CNN is my job was always daily responsibility, daily control room tasks. And so when I went on vacation, I did not look at my work phone. I could take seven days off and not look at a work phone. 
that'll never happen again. What now that I'm now that I'm my own boss. So there are pros and cons. I think the pros outweigh the cons personally, but that's a personal decision for people. Gotcha. So as you know, I have a job and I work in corporate America, but at the same time, I do spend a lot of time running Modate, running the Mopod and doing all these things. And a big reason that I do it is because I find a lot of meaning in trying to help people find relationships. I, I think relationships are a very high priority in people's lives. And I mean, I think kind of the number one priority for people and I, for myself at least, and I think that it really makes me feel good doing all this work. And even though it might not be the most profitable business, it's something that I definitely enjoy doing day to day. I'm wondering, do you find meaning in your work? And do you think it's important to find meaning in your work? Because I do see both sides of that question. That's an interesting question. I definitely do find meaning in my work on multiple levels. Um, first and foremost, just employing people, I think, is really powerful. The fact that there are 75 people that receive a paycheck from me, a lot of these people, this is supporting their livelihoods. I think that's super powerful and meaningful just to be on the end of giving people work and giving people jobs. Um, but also from the customer standpoint, I go into the gym and I see how much these kids' lives have been changed by taking gymnastics and the time they spend in our gym. For example, I was walking around Target in Syracuse and an employee came up to me and she's like, you're the owner of Blaze Gymnastics, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I got nervous. I'm like, oh, here comes a complaint. And she's like, I just have to let you know that Blaze has changed my daughter's life. Like she looks forward to it every week. It is the highlight of her week. She wouldn't be the girl she is today without Blaze. And so hearing things like that, it's super powerful and meaningful. I think we're doing a really great service for our customers, a thousand plus students. So I think the students are benefiting. I think the parents are benefiting. I think the coaches and our staff are benefiting from being employed and from the work they do being so rewarding as well. And so I find a lot of meaning in my work. And I think it's important to find meaning in your work. You said there's like arguments on both sides, like maybe you don't have to find meaning. I, I could see the argument for people saying, I just want to go to work, get a paycheck and come home. But you're going to be spending so much time working anyways. If you could find meaning in your work, 100%, I feel like that's the preferable way to go. Um, can everybody find meaning? I don't know. I don't know if it's possible that every single person can find meaning in their work. But I think it's a great goal to have. And if you have the choice, I would definitely choose to find work that's meaningful to you. For sure. I agree. It's definitely preferable. But there are other things that play into it. Whereas I don't think it's fair to judge people that prioritize other aspects over meaning let's say when they're able to find meaning outside of work and their work enables them to do that i know a lot of people kind of i don't want to say look down but maybe poo poo people who seem to be working just for a paycheck but you don't necessarily know what they're doing outside of that and if what they're doing outside of that is what provides them their dose of meaning then i don't think it's fair to judge them. So you mentioned complaints before while you were talking about actually very positive feedback, but I'm wondering, do you get complaints on a regular basis and how do you deal with negative feedback? Great question. On a regular basis, I would say no, I actually don't get complaints on a regular basis. Um, like I said, I have a staff and I have a leadership team. And so 
complaints don't come directly to me. Complaints will typically go to the staff. So if there's a complaint about a certain coach, you hope that it's going to go to that program coordinator. If it escalates further than that, it's going to go to the director of coaching or the director of operations. And if it goes further than that, it's going to the managing director. So then to get all the way to the level that I'm seeing the complaint doesn't really happen every day. Usually by the time I see the complaint, it's been resolved. Um, having said that, there are definitely times that complaints have made their way all the way up to me. And it's really one of those things you have to handle on a case-by-case basis. I definitely don't like to be super responsive right away. I mean, that might be a hot take, but some people, the second they hear a complaint, they want to respond. They want to find a solution. I really want to let it sink in. I want to do my research. I want to see everything that happened and then make an educated decision based on all the factors at play and not just be very responsive right away to whatever the complaint is. Um, Because for example, if a parent complains that they don't believe our tuition is discounted the way it should be discounted, I'm not just going to go immediately throw 1,000 families a discount um, on how they calculate their tuition. We have to look at the ramifications of how that affects the business and what that looks like on our budget. Um, how many parents would actually be happy about that? What is that going to change in other ways? So there's a lot that goes into complaints and how you respond to them. So I would say it's a case-by-case basis. And I like to let the complaint sit for a little bit, analyze the situation, and then make an educated decision from there. Okay, that definitely makes sense and is a good approach that I wish I did more often, but I definitely am sometimes quick to respond and it it could help, but it could hurt. So I definitely hear what you're saying. So you do own a gym in Syracuse and you are married and obviously you don't live in Syracuse. So I'm wondering what that conversation was like if you're willing to share just kind of advice for people that might want to buy a business or start something, but that's not so close to home and how to really balance that with family life. No, certainly. So when I got married, actually, when I was dating and got engaged, I was still working in the consulting world. And I wasn't traveling at the time because of COVID. But the implication was that once COVID goes away, I'm working in a business that you typically travel Monday to Thursday to the client. And so I think the expectation when we were dating was that eventually I would be traveling a lot for work. Um, My wife, Amanda's father, also traveled a lot for work when she was growing up. So it was a concept that she was used to. It wasn't really something that was a straining point in our relationship because we knew coming in that that's what I was planning to do. She grew up used to that. And so it wasn't something that really bothered us per se. Um, And then when I bought the gymnastics place, I've lately been traveling every two to three weeks there, staying for three nights at a time. So pretty similar to consulting travel. So the level of travel is not really different from the expectations we set at the start of the relationship. I think what's most important is the expectation setting. I think couples should be in agreement that this is the level of travel for business that our relationship can handle versus what it can't handle. I think as long as you're on the same page from early on, then things will be okay. Um, There are definitely cons to being apart that often, but ultimately, I think it's a decision every couple has to make. There are certain couples that need the time together more than others. I think there are certain couples that would be less okay with a spouse traveling and that's okay as long as those expectations are set from the start. I do think that's something that should be discussed even before getting married though. I don't think that's something you should wait until a job opportunity comes along that requires travel. I do think that's an important discussion to have um, while you're dating and talk about, hey, these are the expectations for the type of work I might look for and it might require travel and is this something you'd be okay with? And 
I think that's definitely an important conversation to have. Okay, very good advice. So things are obviously still very fresh with Blaze, but just wondering if you were to do this again, is there anything you would do differently already that you see when you first buying the business? Interesting. Um, I think the only thing I would do differently is probably just the original contract I wrote up for the sale. Um, I used a template. I didn't hire an additional attorney. I used the same attorney I was using for other things. And I probably could have hired somebody to come up with a more comprehensive contract that covered more things um, that could potentially go wrong when you buy a business. I don't think you realize all the different areas where things can go wrong when you buy a business until you actually start running a business. And so if I were buying a business again today, I think I'd probably write up a more comprehensive contract. That's not really a very big thing. Overall, I think I'm happy with every step I took along the way. There were mistakes, but I learned from those mistakes. And I think that's important as well. So I'm pretty content with how I approached buying the business. I would probably do things pretty similarly, if not exactly the same, if I did it again. Gotcha. Okay, that's good to know. So moving on to everyone's favorite segment, the Mopod lightning round. I'm just going to fire off some quick questions and you let me know the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? All right, let's do it. Do you do gymnastics? Yes. What what kind of gymnastics? So a few months in, I actually started taking some private lessons in gymnastics from one of our coaches. It's a coach also named Derek, and he's 15 years old. And uh, oh, wow. we were joking about him teaching me gymnastics. And I'm like, sure, give me a private lesson. And so he gave me two private lessons. And in that time, I actually learned some skills. So he taught me some skills. And I'll also, more recently, I've started coaching some classes in our recreational classes. So not the most advanced skills. So it's classes I'm capable of coaching. And so, yes, I do gymnastics. I wouldn't call myself a gymnast, but I've been doing some gymnastics skills. Wow, very nice. How many businesses are there in the world? Oh, my God. <laughs> Millions. Who is your favorite gymnast of all time? Michaela Skinner. I'm biased because she's coming to visit Blaze next week. And oh, so she's, oh, very nice. <laughs> she's been she's been on my mind lately. So if I had to think of first Olympian that comes to mind, she's the one. Gotcha. What is the best hamburger you've ever had? It was recently. It was in California. I think it was I don't remember the name of the place, but it was a Wagyu beef burger and it was phenomenal and it was by far the best burger I've ever had. What is the most annoying question you get as a small business owner? Um, what do you do all day? Okay. What is the best online tool for businesses? Any sort of accounting software. It's all about the money and where it's all going. Okay. Do you use TurboTax? I used to. Okay. Thank you, Derek Fine, for coming on the Mopod. Anything else you want our listeners to know before we sign off? Uh, nothing on my end. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Pump the volume.